Hello, wise babies. Welcome back to Sophomore Citizens. Welcome back is right. We are here. <laughs> Liesl's already laughing. We're in a good mood. We are ready for Thursday's episode. And today is a little bit of a special episode. Very special episode. Okay, I'm glad others agree with me because it deals with the topic of today. It deals with the state that we're all in. Liesl's laughing again. Liesl, would you like to reveal the secret of today? Yeah, I will let everyone know that all three of us over the age of 21 have consumed some beverages. Beverages. Yes. And I think it's important we point out we are all of legal drinking age. We don't endorse any unsafe behaviors around drinking. Please never get behind the wheel if you never. have consumed any any mouthwash. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> Not cool. Don't do it. So that is all we'd like to say as a precursor to this yeah. episode. We're just having a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, but we thought it would be fun to do an episode where we're all a little bit tipsy. We had a couple glasses I of wine. I hate the word tipsy. Okay. And I, mean, I think we'll delve into that later. I hate the concept tipsy. Okay, we're going to get into that did. later. We're going to get into that. The activity we've just done was what we like to call makeup challenge. We have mentioned this on the podcast previously. Um, and we were each given a different prompt by random choice. And unfortunately, you cannot see our beautiful faces, but Liesl has a wonderful Britney Spears 90s-inspired look. Lily has gone for mugshot, clearly involved in some physical <laughs> altercation, and I was given the prompt of must-include-winged eyeliner, which might seem kind of um, bland in comparison to the others. It pales in comparison to the others, but I will say, I, for the last four or five years of my life, have been very attached to my eyeshadow winged liner. I just think it suits my makeup look and everything. So genuinely, like, trying to do my winged liner well under the influence was a new challenge I had never experienced. Yeah, so basically makeup challenge just to reiterate is where you write down on slips of paper a bunch of different makeup prompts and you put them in a hat or whatever and select a random one out and then you have to complete that makeup look to the best of your ability um and if you're curious what we look like you could see what our makeup turned out like on sophomore citizens tiktok because we made a little tiktok about it and again just for some inspiration as far as prompts go Liesl and I have previously done Euphoria makeup, E-Girl makeup, Kardashian-inspired makeup, Smoky Eye, cannot include the color black whatsoever, and I actually said we have done, what I meant to say is we had brainstormed, because Liesl and I have only accomplished a total of two makeup challenges in the entirety of quarantine, considering I brain birthed this idea <laughs> back in March, I believe. Yeah. But we highly recommend it. It's a good time for sure. And we had, you know, started to consume our alcoholic beverages prior to doing our makeup, which I think enhanced the experience even further. 
Absolutely. It really did. If you haven't tried to do a makeup challenge, give it a go with your friend, with your mom, by yourself, with your cat, whatever. I also, as we have previously discussed on the podcast on the makeup-themed episode, I'm someone who can get very stuck in my ways with makeup. Like, I, I know what I like and I know what I think flatters my face. And so I think it's really fun to take the makeup challenge opportunity to try something a little different. Totally. And even like I had 90s makeup, which is pretty out there um, and aggressive as far as the eyeliner and the eyeshadow. But Lily and Gigi both told me that I could kind of try to adapt this look for maybe like a fun going out look. So with makeup challenge, you'll probably discover some things you never thought that you would be able to achieve in your daily life, but that you actually might carry forward. So being that I um, painted bruises and cuts <laughs> on my face, none of this will be adapted into my daily going out look. But I do think, Lily, you used a lot of reds, pinks, and purples, and I think that that actually is very flattering on you. Have you ever done like a pink eyeshadow look? No, kind of... I will admit that I've never used any of these colors. And before. it's very nice. Thank you. I'm yeah. so glad to hear that. Without Maybe the bruises, I, would... I think it would look great. <laughs> it is kind of a stark um, look. Yeah. You know, when I came out, I said this is a little scary. Maybe not. <laughs> it's a little mugshot. Ag- aggressive. Yeah, it I certainly wasn't mugshot. It was more like I've been fight. <laughs> um, but I tried my best, and I'm glad with the way it came out, but I don't know that it's necessarily my I think shot. you also did a wonderful job of, like, I don't know if anyone recalls watching The Hunger Games and seeing, like, dirt contouring mm, her yeah, face. Yeah, I do remember that. I feel like I see your wounds contouring your face. Thank you. I used some lip gloss to show the glossy and the blood. Pink lip gloss is great for that. And my favorite is Lily's eyebrow slash cut. Um, did you use some white with that? So I used concealer and I used very yeah. light concealer under my eyes. So I didn't use that because I want to look as dark and right. crying yeah. under my eyes as possible. So instead I used the very light concealer on my eyebrow and then I covered it up with some purple eyeshadow and then pink lip gloss to top it off. I love it. So on the topic of concealing... Um, I think we're all concealing our drunkness pretty well right now. I think it's important we check in and just understand where everyone's at because I know personally that I am in no way sober. And I think it's important that we check in about that. That's a great transition. Let's get into some check-ins. We've kind of, you know, hinted, maybe teased the theme of this episode a little bit. I'll let you guys hang with that a little longer and let's get into some check-ins. Liesl, in this check-in, I would love for you to tell me any relevant things that are going on. Yeah. If any, tell me how drunk you are and tell me your favorite drink. Yeah. I do feel pretty drunk. I mean, I think it really hit me all at once, which is definitely the most dangerous kind of drunk, in my opinion, where, you know, you drink and you drink and you drink, and you're like, I just feel so sober, I'm not feeling it, and then all of a sudden, it hits you in the face. So that's sort of how I'm feeling. Um, I have been known to go around and ask people, scale of 1 to 10, like, how are we feeling? Which people sometimes, as another, like, a fellow person that likes to ask a scale of 1 to 10, slash has been present while you ask this question, people get so weird about this question. I know. I feel like there's different interpretations in terms of, like, 
if one is your absolute sober and 10 is like blackout most drunk you've ever been like the scale system is not foolproof I will say but it is interesting to hear people's feedback I I just like to check in with everyone and know how drunk the room is because like we're saying people can conceal their alcohol pretty well in general I would say most people are pretty good at concealing it when they especially when they need to um and so I've been known to enjoy that question of just like give it to me like how are we feeling especially during a pre-game or like when we're about to leave like I want to know where everyone's at so that I have a good baseline um and as far as my favorite drink recently I've been really into a gin and tonic um that's been something I've been really enjoying I also love a Moscow mule I love a good glass of wine um usually I go for a Riesling wine because I feel like that's pretty safe and standard that I'll probably enjoy it it'll be pretty sweet and just like a good little um something something but um yeah to be honest I'm feeling pretty drunk um to not use the word tipsy that we all agreed we don't really like um in high school especially which I'm exposing myself for underage drinking but in high school um my friends and I would call being tipsy being cute because the phrase tipsy is just so like not the vibe um so I would be like you know how cute are you feeling like are you feeling cute um and that cute was kind of just like a better word for feeling lightly drunk because like I don't want to be out here being like I'm drunk when like I don't feel drunk I just feel cute especially because it is worth mentioning that I think most people once they're feeling their alcohol, even just the slightest bit, will look in the mirror and be like, hey, you. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Even I think it, I'll admit that with my um, bruised face look, I feel like it's <laughs> so cute right now. Looking at myself in the mirror, our recording studio has some mirrors around the room, <laughs> and I'm looking at myself right now thinking, wow, Lily, you look so cute yeah it's just such a great phrase to use as opposed to tipsy which feels like you're a 55 year old mom like tipsy is just not what I want to be ever um I want to feel cute okay Gigi tell us how drunk you're feeling any life events you need to update us on and most importantly your favorite drink okay so favorite drink I'm definitely more on the like wine side of things sometimes like a corona Mm -hmm. trigger warning corona (laughs) I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding um I would say if I'm gonna do a cocktail a Moscow mule but I'm definitely not a big cocktail fan um and I'm not the biggest fan of shots either but what I will say is that I like drinking to drink so if sometimes that means taking shots, Mama didn't raise no bitch. <laughs> like, it's time to go. You know what I mean? Um, as far as, like, my general check-in in terms of um, levels of intoxication, I would say maybe a six. Mm-hmm. To me, that means I'm feeling it and I'm losing my train of thought easily. But I'm here and I'm verbal. <laughs> Do you get nonverbal? <laughs> I think maybe sometimes I get nonverbal. <laughs> verbal? 
is very important for a podcast. <laughs> so I'm glad you're verbal. I will also say I have a long-standing history of drunk vlogging. I even made an Instagram account for my drunk vlogs, which... QD drugs. Yes, check it out if you want. I had to make it private because I felt like the professionalism cloud looming above me. Personally, I feel no professionalism <laughs> right now. Like, I'm not trying to be a politician. I'm trying to be a professional podcaster. So, like, bring it on. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I, I would say I feel pretty comfortable doing my best to articulate my thoughts and feelings at this time but of course like I feel slightly dumber than I usually would yeah even though I will also say I get the comment on a regular basis that I default as very formal especially when I'm drunk and I think that that is coming through now it has come through on previous episodes despite my being entirely sober sometimes my default is very formal yeah. So I'll just let that be known. And what I will also say to our listeners who are out there sober at work, maybe doing some schoolwork, maybe pause this episode, play it later, and maybe grab, you know, a bottle of wine, get a little drunk with us, get drunk with the sophomore citizens, and kind of enjoyed this episode that way, I think that would be fun to do. I'm really glad you said what you just said because I will let it be known that when I started my little check-in segment, I thought to myself, what the fuck did I want to say that I'm now forgetting? And I remembered. It's that for you freshman citizens, I don't know if there are any of you out there, but if you are out there and you have not had an alcoholic beverage ever in your life, my personal experience of the drunken feeling is a sense of lightness, a sense of um, cuteness, mm-hmm. a sense of happiness mm-hmm. that is in some ways indescribable, but I'm doing my best. I think it it just sort of like removes a layer from your brain. <laughs> <laughs> And and that's what I'll that's what I'll leave you with. The lightness is really important because if I were to try to explain it, I would definitely touch on that and just like something in your head where it's like floating a little bit. <laughs> but I don't know if that's really gonna make sense. So I'll just run with that and I'll get into my check in. I would say that similarly to Gigi, I'm around a six. I'm certainly verbal, as you established, <laughs> but it's not like the drinking didn't exist. Unlike Gigi and Liesl, I would say I'm not really a wine person, which is something that I very recently discovered, was I don't really like wine, but I'm obviously not opposed to drinking it if it's there, but I don't think that it's my drink of choice. I think I am a cocktail person. Certainly my favorite drink is a mojito. Mm. Um, I love a good Moscow Mule. I'm glad the three of us can agree on that. And I like a cold beer if it's there, but I love cocktails. That being said, my signature drink would be tequila and pineapple juice, which is what I order, like, at the bars at school, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wouldn't say that's my favorite drink. That's just an easy thing to order. You know, if I'm at a bar, I'm not going to be high maintenance and say, like, oh, I want a mojito, make me the whole thing. I would instead just say, okay... 
tequila, pineapple juice, throw it together. I love that. I think that's a great drink. You know, and... actually, I think I saw recently um, on TV that someone was ordering a similar drink to what you're saying, but I think they got vodka soda with a splash of pineapple juice, which also sounds really good to me because I feel like whenever I order a vodka soda, I regret it. And I'm just like, why, why did I go down this route? But I feel like a splash of pineapple juice in that sounds really lovely to me. Well, it is very lovely. And from my experience, I have had nothing but great experiences with it. And that just goes to touch on my next drink of preference, which is always tequila over vodka. Mm. So I would just like to use that to enhance that. Right. I don't have a huge preference tequila over vodka. It honestly really depends on my mood, Um, but they're honestly equally disgusting to me, so I just kind of go with whatever everyone else around me is feeling. Fair enough. Personally, I much prefer vodka. I feel there is far less of an aftertaste and a burning in my soul that happens, (laughs) Um, but what's there is there. And I'm not going to discriminate What's against... What's there is there. I'm not going to discriminate <laughs> against tequila or vodka. Some people are like, oh, whiskey and whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I'll make it happen. If I have to make it work, I'll make it work. Okay, whiskey, GTFO. Like, I'm not interested. But my reason of being so strong with my tequila over vodka is because the type of drunk I am on tequila is simply fun rage let's go on vodka i'm much more muted i I think think this this is is a misconception i think that this is people have somehow decided that tequila produces a more fun drunk drunk is drunk brother i think drunk is drunk the only difference i have ever perceived is Maybe wine makes me a little more tie-tie. Yeah. Wine makes me so tired, and I can say in this moment, I'm much more tired. If I was on, de- on, uh, on it's not a drug. Well, it, <laughs> on actually, tequila. Alcohol is a drug, but you know what I mean. If I had taken four shots of tequila before this, I would be dancing, we would be playing no. music, we would not be recording I feel podcasts. like it's a placebo effect. Lies. I think it's a placebo. That's just my opinion. Software citizens, get with me. Come DM us, tell me that I'm right in this way because I swear to God, tequila makes you a fun drunk, wine makes you tired drunk, and vodka makes you medium drunk. Okay, and this is naturally coming up, so let's talk about how we feel about mixing. You know, a lot of people, beer before liquor, never sicker, liquor before beer, whatever. (laughs) Um, I don't know how the saying goes. Um, what do you girls think about mixing different types of alcohol? Because honestly, I've never had a problem, but people talk about it like mixing is the devil's work. Listen, I can't think of a specific instance where mixing has led to a disaster, a disaster, a severe experience. But at the same time, I have not run, you know, research worthy tests on this subject I do think that sometimes when I'm I'm mixing and I'm doing all kinds of different stuff I wind up feeling worse but maybe that's simply down to quantity right so I personally can't like speak on this and I will admit some mornings I wake up and I'm like I should not have mixed 
whatever the fuck I mixed. Right. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge that that could have just been a sheer quantity issue. Right. Lily, how do you feel? I don't think I'm here for mixing, but I agree with Gigi. It's hard for me to tell okay. when making comparative studies just feels very difficult when but there's like, different quantities. I'm sorry. Everyone has had beer and then had shots. And, like, had shots and then had beer. And, like, there's just no difference. Okay, that I'm not mad at. But when I take, like, four different shots of alcohol, if like, if I were to do vodka, tequila, gin, and whiskey, <laughs> there is no way I'm setting myself up for success. I think it's not a matter of order. There's no matter right. of order that, like, if you do hard, then, then um, soft or soft. <laughs> then soft alcohol? Is that, like, beer and wine? Holy, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> She just saying. made that up. I just made it up. We love our soft alcohol here at Soft <laughs> More Citizens. Soft More Citizens? It's like, I just think, ultimately, mixing and quantity might lead to a more severe hangover. And I think think it has more to do with sugar content. So it matters about how much sugar is in your alcohol that you're consuming, your worst hangover. I've seen studies about this. Listen, although you may have seen studies, like, the sugar, quote-unquote, is, like, the whole point is, like, bread turned into alcohol. Like, in my not semi-drunken like, state, I'm no, just listen. not here to talk about studies. Like, <laughs> I don't know about you, but like, I have zero interest in talking about studies while I'm a 6 out of 10 on the drunken scale. Okay. But out of 4 out of 10, the studies are rampant. Maybe the studies Lily. could be discussed if I was a 2 out of 10, but like at a 6, no. Lily, listen, I validate that feeling, but I just need to finish my thought, Sorry. which is that, like, like supposedly vodka and hard alcohol is made out of like wheat or supposedly (laughs) wheat do you want to say that closer to the microphone wheat (laughs) and i think that like i mean i don't really know what that means and that's why i'm not similar to lily interested in entertaining this conversation but i do think this is an appropriate time for me to bring up my topic which is a theory on hangovers Hit us with the first topic, Gigi. Let's go. So, I am someone who started drinking later on in life. And by later on, I mean 18. But, like, for the average American student person, (laughs) I think that's a little later on. You know? At least that's my perception. I could agree. Um, I, I started drinking at 17. Lily, when did I you start? I think I started drinking at 17 as well. Yeah. So, I would say that as far as hangovers go, humans have a limited number of drinking occasions before hangovers rear their ugly head. Hmm. Now, I say this because as someone, and it is important to acknowledge that, like, you know, I am a very well-hydrated person. I was going to say I consider myself a well-hydrated person, but, like, I think from an an objective standpoint, I'm at a gallon or more per day. Yeah. So, like... It's extreme. That's that's (laughs) hydrated. (laughs) Bottom line, I'm hydrated, so, like... I don't get hangovers too bad, but I have experienced them for sure. And 
my roommate in college freshman year was someone who had started drinking much earlier on in life, like maybe 14 or 15. And by the time she was a freshman in college, drinking the amount that we would drink, she was immobile the next day. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, this is sort of what sparked my feelings towards hangovers because I had another roommate who had started drinking maybe around 16 and she sooner than I started experiencing pretty like severe hangovers. And I just think that there is some amount, I don't know what it is, but let's say like 300 drunk occasions that your body will allow you hangover free before it says, fuck you, I'm taking this away. Uh Uh-huh. You know? And I think that like as you age, like let's say the first um, checkpoint of hangovers is 300 occasions, which this, this is completely arbitrary, but let's just say, mm-hmm. then by that point, it's 700 before the next checkpoint of like done drinking forever. I don't want to say done <laughs> drinking forever, but like you have to nurse yourself back to health. Yeah. And let's say you're in your later 20s or 30s. And again, I factor in that like age Mm -hmm. and aging in general must be considered here. Yeah. But for the fun of my theory, we're just talking number of occasions of being drunk. So by 700, which seems so generous, but at the same time, like, you know, if you're getting drunk, let's say once a week, every week. From the age of 18 to 28, my math says that that seems (laughs) appropriate. Yeah. And so it's like by 700, you're like, you have to think twice about, is it worth it to have this fun experience for what I'm going to experience tomorrow? And I now realize I have been talking for quite (laughs) some time. And I'm really excited to hear what you both have to say. Yeah. Okay, so personally, I don't get hungover in the sense of any sort of headache or immobility like you had referenced. Period? Ever. I have never. But I get intense, like, throwing up stomach issues, even with drinking the slightest bit of alcohol. Mm -hmm. Now, I have toured with the... I have toured around the world with the idea. (laughs) I've toured around the world. If you haven't been to one of my tours, you suck. Just kidding. I've toyed, I don't know what words just came out of my mouth, with the idea that I was maybe allergic to alcohol, which I've obviously learned that I'm not. But there was a period of time that I went through where I was literally throwing up every time I drank. And I was like, something is wrong. Which, uh, what I want to say is that the first time I ever drunk, or oh my god, the first time I ever threw up from alcohol was the first time I ever had hard alcohol, and it was the following morning because, as per the advice of Liesel, I would quote unquote feel better after. It was like I felt a little yucky the next morning. Soon would I learn that that smidgen bit of yucky was 
par for the course. Like that was the normal amount of just like a little yucky the next morning. But of course I tried to throw up. I did. And I didn't feel much better after. The only other time was at a brunch with my dad after having had many hard alcohol beverages and I was doing my best to like eat. I had a croissant. I was trying to make it work. <laughs> and it just simply wasn't. Like I had to go to the bathroom and the Mater D woman was like, mm-hmm. Are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, honestly, no. And then she was like, Well, I'll take you back to the employee bathroom. And I was like, it's okay, I can I can wait until the, the regular like customer bathroom is ready. Luckily the person like flew out and I just I, I, you know, went for it. Yeah. And, and luckily, I I lived to tell the tale. And I would like to make it clear that this brunch place was not like a drunk brunch place. It was not like bottomless mimosa sort of vibe. It was like a bakery that Gigi had to relieve herself of the alcohol. <laughs> but consider from age 18 to 21. Right. Only two instances, both the next morning. Right. Um... So, what I will say is definitely that my hangovers just honestly look like general laziness and just not wanting to do literally anything. Um, I will say, like, going to college in New York, I think that, like, the average end of a night is a little bit later than maybe some other colleges, some other cities, where my typical end of a night would be 4 a.m., And I might get home to my apartment at like 4.30, even sometimes 5. And at that point, you have to sleep until 2. Like there's just no other option there. And when you wake up at 2, you just can't do anything that whole day. That whole day is wasted. And I think that like the day after a drinking night, you just cannot function and if that's not a traditional conventional hangover of like actually having like a really bad headache and throwing up and just feeling disgusting you just still don't feel good at the very least my body feels exhausted because when I am drunk I want to dance the night away like let's go you know I want to be out there on the floor dancing my heart out I'm not leaving anything behind last song last call, everything. I'm going to be out there. And the next day, I'm sorry, I maybe will leave my apartment to like go get a coffee, but I'm coming right back and like just watching Gilmore Girls all day long. Like that's, that's it. If there were an award for drunk dancing, I definitely think that I would be up in the contenders because I think that people have different things they do when they're drunk. There are girls that like, oh my gosh, I want to hook up with this boy. Oh my gosh. Like, I get mean when I'm drunk, whatever. Mm-hmm. My default when I'm drunk is, like, I need music playing and I need to be dancing. Yeah. Teach. I will say, as much as I can tell you, like, I'm the biggest drunk dancer there is. No, you are. Thank you. Yeah. And what I wanted to say was that so many other people in my life have validated that I am, like... No, you kill it. You you literally set the dance floor on fire. I'm not trying to steal your spotlight <laughs> at all. I'm just trying no to say I'm I'm there with you. We're it's sharing like, the it's dance like floor. When I go to any occasion of 
clubbing or music like if music rave, if, rave vibes if music is dominating the entire situation like i am there to get on any elevated surface and make things happen Gigi loves to elevate um herself just get onto some surfaces and honestly i completely agree if there is a couch or a bench of any sort why aren't you standing on it like Let's why would you on be it. on the floor when you could be on a table or on a bench or just up it's also i tend to get very hot when i'm dancing when i'm drunk when i'm at a club or a bar or whatever and i'm telling you girls the elevated surface is the biggest life hack of getting some fresh air because you're kind of on your own little platform and you can kind of breathe some fresh air whereas if you're on the normal floor you're just surrounded by other people who are hot and sweaty. Okay, Liesl, what is your alcohol-related topic for us today? Yes, my topic is that I have no interest in being drinking to get tipsy. I only want to drink to get drunk. I'm here for it. Absolutely. I agree. I think being tipsy is stupid. If I'm going to <laughs> go through the process of drinking, feeling bad afterwards... consuming something that's like gonna make me feel weird during like I want the result I don't want anything in between I either want to be sober or I want to be drunk I understand that there are plenty of people that like want to have a glass of wine with dinner and maybe that will come to me when I'm a junior citizen or a senior citizen (laughs) but as a sophomore citizen I'm either trying to be sober or drunk yes okay I will agree with this as well, but I think it's important we acknowledge there is sober, what we'll call quote-unquote tipsy, then there is drunk, and then there is blackout. Right. Okay? Right. So, for me, my issue with tipsy is that it's so fleeting. Yeah. It's so momentary, and it's like... If it even exists. If it even exists. It's like... I just similarly don't see a point in consuming alcoholic beverages, which ultimately are going to hurt my internal organs or my body or whatever the heck is going on inside of me. Like, I don't want to be that if I'm not going to be feeling some type of way, if I'm not going to be, like, with friends who are also feeling some type of way. I think it's important that we consider the social impact of 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 tipsy versus drunk like for me being drunk with friends is so satisfying and fulfilling and fun whereas being sober slash tipsy doesn't do anything for me so it's like similar to what lily had said i'd rather just have fun sober because i'm telling you 99% of the time when I'm having fun, it's sober. And then if it's going to be that 1%, it's going to be drunk. (laughs) I'm here with you, Gigi. I agree with you. Maybe a hot take, but all three hosts of Sophomore Citizens are here to say that being tipsy is stupid. I may have just said tipsy very wrong. Maybe <laughs> let's use the weasel's word of being cute. Whatever it is, 
it's stupid to be anything in between sober or drunk. You either get drunk or you don't. And we're not saying you have to get drunk to have fun, but we're just saying pick one or the other. As we kind of briefly touched on in the parenting pod titled The Proof is in the Pod, it's really important to go to events sober, go to house parties, go to clubs, go to bars, and just stay 100% sober and evaluate what's going on around you. You know, read the room, see how the vibes are flowing, and just get an understanding of what it's like to be in one of these places sober and feel comfortable in that because that can foster and facilitate a lot of confidence. And then when you're drunk, you can kind of understand a little bit more what exactly is going on in the social interactions because you've experienced that same event being sober. I think I also just feel a slight discomfort with the word tipsy, period. It just makes me feel weird. like. As you had said, Liesl, earlier, it feels like a 55-year-old woman being like, how are you getting tipsy? Like, I just don't like it in general. It's weird. It's really weird. But I I think there is a lack of a word, you know, for the appropriate, you know, growing into being drunk. There really isn't a word for our gen to describe you know, that transition from being completely sober to being drunk. Like, drunk feels like you have to be drunk, which is why I really like you. I think the traditionally feminine version is tipsy, and the traditionally masculine version is a buzz. Mm. But, like, I hadn't even thought of that as, like, an option of what to say. Okay, so let's breed one for the sophomore citizens. Which is cute. Listeners, the wise babies use cute it totally works how cute are you feeling oh i'm feeling really cute oh i feel like kind of cute oh i'm feeling cute it absolutely applies in all situations and it's a discreet way to talk about it so like if you and your girls like want to check in with each other and there's maybe some boys or strangers around it's very easy to be like how cute are you right now like how cute well i also will say that like thinking of my guy friends i could reasonably see them saying like yeah, I'm feeling a little bit cute right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it describes how you feel. Like you just feel a little cuter than normal. You just feel a little, little do do do. Yeah, a little bit <laughs> cute. You're right. All right. So I think that a disputed thing in the drinking community is where the best place to get drunk is, where you'll have the most fun, who the best people to get drunk with are. And I am here to take a stance on this. My opinion is that the best place to get drunk is a home, whether that be yours or your friends, and the best people to get drunk with are your friends. So I know this may be a little bit of a hot take when you have clubs, bars, house parties, frat parties, whatever else there may be. I am here to say that I have the most fun when I am in someone's house or apartment with my very best friends, there is truly nothing better. Do you two have a similar or different stance on this? I will say that I think that a restaurant is the best place to be drunk. I think whether that is a drunk dinner, a drunk lunch, a drunk brunch, a drunk breakfast, even. Known as a drunch? Drunch. I think that that is the best place to be drunk. Um, there is a communal atmosphere 
and the drinks can flow with no friction. I think that drinking at home is sometimes has a lot of friction in, you know, other people's alcohol, drinking other people's stuff, in procuring your drink. Drinks sometimes will go on empty when you're at a house gathering of sorts. But when you are at a restaurant, the drinks are flowing and they're flowing fast. And I think that being drunk, especially one of my favorite memories being drunk, I was with my friends. We were studying abroad at the time. So we ended up being in Paris and it was probably about 3 p.m. We were in a normal restaurant and we were all very, very drunk, having a great time doing impressions, doing accents, doing different, you know, fun conversations and just being drunk in public and not feeling judged by the other restaurant goers, which I think is an important element of this that I think especially in France, um, no one is ever going to judge you for having some drinks and having some wine, especially at 3 a 3 p.m. Um, 3 a.m. <laughs> so that is one of my favorite places to get drunk. But Lily, I can understand the convenience of being at home and getting drunk. Obviously, the bathroom is clean and, you know, available and you feel comfortable in your own environment to drink as much as you want, which well, I really like. I think for me, you touched on an important part, which was not feeling judged mm -hmm. and that's something I regularly feel when I'm drunk but if I'm in my own house or apartment or a friend's house I don't feel any sort of judgment so that is why I was swayed to feel that way but is it it is important that we talk about the fact that parents siblings other random humans in the home can be judgmental. Yeah. Okay, that's Roommates. fair. The Roommates. Yeah. Absolutely fair. When I think of my happiest times being drunk, it is in my apartment throwing pre-games for my friends. My apartment is at school. If it were in my house house with my parents, I would definitely feel differently. But I'm going to say an apartment that I live in at school where I don't have parents, where my roommates are drunk with me and I don't feel that judgment. I think it really does come down to the judgment or lack thereof that I'm having the most fun, that I'm feeling the most comfortable. So to counter that G, I would say it's when I don't have those people to judge me. I do also think the pregame is a beautiful thing because it symbolizes the optimism about the night in general. Mm -hmm. And like, it just encompasses the fun that is to be had for the rest of the night. Okay. Does that make sense? Totally. And that brings up another question, which is how do you girls feel about a post game? Hang on. I didn't get to talk about my personal ideal environment for drinking, which I can first just validate that both in my home or others' homes and also a restaurant fantastic setting. I think for me, the most important element is having silly, goofy conversation with other, with others. Being at a club, there's no room for conversation. And of course, there's much dancing to be done and much fun to be had. But I think the maximum guaranteed fun is among friends who you can conversate with converse with 
It's both, actually. It's oh. both. You learn something new every day. Exactly. It is both. I've looked it up. Because but, gee, I absolutely agree with you because even when I think about our most fun drunken experiences, when we have gone to parties, yes, I'm not to say that we haven't had fun there, but when we came home and told Liesl all about the people who hooked up, the <laughs> photos we took, what drinks we shared, that is where we had the most fun, which was in the confines of your home. The post game, just to return to Liesl's point, is a fantastic time. I'm not here for the post game, sorry. I also agree that I am not here for the post game. Wait, I'm sorry, can we define post game then? Because to me, it simply means like, after a party, the elite squadron gets to go home and debrief on the evening. It does not mean like additional no, 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 drinking. No, no, no. A post game, by definition, includes additional drinking. Which I cannot do. If anyone is having enough fun at a party, they're maximizing their drinking at the party. Agreed. So anyone who knows how to have fun knows that they're not here for the post game. If you could keep drinking, then you weren't having enough fun at the okay, party so itself. I feel that a post game is typically, for from my experience, not at my own place of home. And so it involves going from whatever venue we have been having the real game at to an other venue to hang out, sit on the couch, there's some TV action. And I'm just like, I want to be asleep in my bed, done with the night. It just drags the night on for me a little too much. So I will say my personal experience of a post game usually includes being either at my own home or being like a few doors down from my own home and so that's why I think I have such positive associations with that experience because it is genuinely just like the close friends getting to debrief on the night getting to wind down for those who like to enjoy weed they you know smoke a bowl and then it's like Betty bye time for me and anyone else who goes to Wisconsin, they will understand that a post game is a full-on party. It is otherwise titled an A-bar, which is where a frat throws an after-bar, that's how it gets the nickname, A-bar, where you are raging, dancing, drinking, and simply, I can't do that. As I said, I'm having enough fun at the pre-bar or the pregame and at the actual party itself. The present bar. I can't do the after. I'm not interested in staying up till three or four in the morning. That is not my speed. I'd rather get a good night of sleep, wake up feeling decent in the morning, recover and be able to party again in the evening. So a post game, a, an A bar, whatever it is that you may call it, that's not for me. I will also say that as a college student, as you bring up Lily, like at Wisconsin, at the school that I attend, like the timeline for the evening definitely ends on the earlier side of things, which I love and appreciate in its own way. But especially having been abroad, being in Barcelona, or let's say being in New York, the experience is definitely more late night, early morning. Um, and I feel like the post bar is slightly different in those situations or the post game, sorry, the post game is slightly different in those situations. 
night. Yeah, and I feel like I really enjoy a next day debrief as opposed to an in the moment debrief because I feel that everyone the next day is a little bit more able to have more clarity about the events that have occurred in the previous night and that we can have a more thorough in-depth analysis of what what went down that night you know did we have fun what are the highlights what are the lowlights whatever whereas when we're trying to debrief at the end of the night it's just everyone is so tired and still drunk and just is a little bit over it but I can see where you're coming from Jeej as far as you know just getting together with the close ones and you know rehashing just briefly a little bit what went down especially when there's a particularly crazy night where there's a lot of characters or crazy people it's really fun to get together and be like you know Mr. Mustache Man was go acting crazy that night or whatever you know nicknames you have for people or different people that you've encountered throughout the night and I think that that also brings up something that I think we all enjoy about the drinking experience which is just meeting strangers like it is so fun to just get a little drunk and feel so comfortable talking to strangers and just get to know a little bit about someone's life who is just so you would just never talk to them normally I think going back to what you had said Liesl about experiencing parties or clubs or whatever sober as opposed to being drunk is such an important experience because sometimes you'll attend something and be like I simply would not be here if I had not consumed alcoholic beverages but on the flip side to that you can appreciate the beauty of meeting strangers while you're drunk you know like most of the time when you're sober you're not gonna get into an in-depth conversation about like life or your profession or your future or whatever with a stranger and I think that like as much as sometimes I have like thought to myself while being out I simply would not be here if it were not for the fact that I had consumed alcoholic beverages I think that you can appreciate while you are out and you have had some drinks this is a person that I otherwise would have never gotten the chance to know. And I think that for myself personally, and I know that I speak on behalf of the three of us when I say this first sentiment, is that we love to talk. As you guys can tell, we have a podcast. And now I speak for myself and maybe the other two when I say that sometimes people are a little weirded out by how much I love to talk. I love to meet new people. I love to ask them questions about their life. And sometimes in a sober setting, people are like, why are you asking me these questions? And when I'm drunk, it kind of frees up the space for me to ask these questions in a way that aren't weird. And when I say things like, oh, so what do you, I don't know, I can't think of something off the top of my head, but something that maybe otherwise would be deemed a little weird, it's acceptable in the drunken space, which is personally why I love it so much because I do have the chance to be myself a little bit more, not get judged for that, or at least not feel judged for that, and therefore feel free to move forward with my questioning, make some new friends, as Liesl said, meet some strangers, that otherwise maybe there are some other factors at play that hinder that a bit. Totally, and I think that like, 
beyond just your connections with strangers, being drunk with your friends and getting to just profess your love for your friends so unashamedly is such a beautiful feeling and to be, you know, affectionate with friends, to just love on your people when you're drunk, you know, it's like your threshold for strangers goes up, but your threshold for your friends also goes up and you just want to love on them. And I think that that's such a sweet and special thing about being a little drunk. I think for my friend group at school, this is very true. We get overly affectionate. Like my guy friends will be kissing other guy friends of mine. It will just be like, you're all welcome to my wedding open bar you know there's just so much love flowing through those interactions and for me personally I don't think that it is untrue I don't think that it's an um inaccurate representation of the love that we all feel inside it's just that we all feel comfortable to express those feelings Okay, I think it's time to get into our recommendations for this episode. So, Liesl, hit us with your recommendation for this Thursday episode. Yes. Gigi and I recently watched the Netflix original movie, Work It, starring Sabrina Carpenter, Liza Koshy, and a bunch of other interesting, you know, teen or um, 20-plus-year-old adults playing teenagers. Um, It's a super fun movie. There's a lot of dance sequences. There's a good little plot, um, some interesting characters, and we really enjoyed it. One of our favorite parts of watching this movie was that we challenged each other to work it before and after the movie. So before we each took a little turn to have a little solo dance performance for each other, And then afterwards, we kind of inspired by the movie, had a fun dance party, dance off, dance battle, solos, different songs, just a full on dance party. And I think that the movie really motivated us to have a dance party, which to be honest, is a great workout, so much fun and just a great thing to do with your friends. Okay, well, I haven't seen it yet, so I'll certainly take this recommendation to heart and I will watch it maybe even with my brother or my friends and I'll definitely work it before during and after thank you yes. for the recommendation you're Legal welcome and, and you Gigi. could you could also work it drunk you know if that's your your dwork style it. work it drunk you know to work it to work it there we go okay Gigi what is your recommendation for this week so with the theme of the episode in mind I think it would be a wonderful time for you to have a drink yeah with your friends, with your family, whether that be just to simply feel cute or if it's to get drunk. Do your thing, have some fun. And I think I have recently, or more so recently in my life, come to appreciate the beauty of drinking while enjoying a beautiful meal. So again, enjoy a beautiful meal, have some fun, drink some drinks, and just be feeling yourself while also enjoying the company of some other people. I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah, and that's definitely what we did today with each other. We got drunk and we enjoyed each other's company and we just so happened to record it. 
Yes, and thank you, Gigi, for that recommendation. Thank you, Liesl, for your commentary. And thank you, the listeners, for listening to Sophomore Citizens, the podcast by young people for young people with new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. So we'll see you wise babies then. Also, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Sophomore Citizens and make sure to leave us a five-star review. And this is new, so people listen up. Email us at sophomorecitizens at gmail.com with any recommendations of topics or themes or things that you need advice on that you may want our opinions about, and we will feature it on the podcast.